I'd like to start this episode with a special shout-out to my wife. Happy two-year anniversary, wife. We've done it. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Henry. And my name, uh, at least the last time I checked, is John. <laughs> also, my my cat is here and making a lot of noise. And together we're Henry and John's cat coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist. How is Bean doing? Uh, Bean's good. After her scare, I think we maybe jumped the gun on this a little bit. Uh, but we went and bought her a lot of new clothes and a new carrier. Clothes? New yeah, collar. Cat, cat clothes, a.k.a. And, uh, collar. And a new carrier last night, knowing that we could have taken her to the vet today and they'd be like, oh, she's she's a goner. Uh, thankfully, that did not happen, and the money that we spent on that collar has not been wasted. Right, so that, that's a little teaser for later. You've know, you, you now know something happened to John's cat, maybe. Uh, but I feel like we need to back it up a little bit and start from the very beginning of last week, which was just fucking, it was, it sucked. Last week was, it sucked. Yeah, uh, in case you live in a bubble. Oh, also, I'm drinking something, too. Oh, yeah, I'm drinking. I've got the 512 Pecan Porter. Um, sponsor me. <laughs> uh, I am drinking a Zevia. Zero calorie, naturally flavored soda. Good for you, man. I just didn't have time. I was watching too much Supernatural. Uh, anyway, uh, in case you were unaware for one reason or another, uh, the last week in Texas was rough. Uh, Texas froze, uh, yeah, top to bottom, uh, and it was horrible. <laughs> A, a huge winter weather system moved through the central part of the uh, United States of America and uh, spearheading the the g- Texas was like the brunt of it. Like it came down into a point right over Texas uh, and uh, we, we experienced ice and snow and freezing rain and like all of the wintry precipitations that you can imagine for the first time in my life, I experienced it coming and it going, you know, the interesting thing about what happened is that, uh, I, I think you nailed it when you said that it was like a spear that pierced directly into central Texas because central Texas had the worst weather outcomes of the, the wintry accumulation slash the Arctic blast in that usually in the South, when you get snow, it's number one, extremely infrequent. Uh, but when it happens, it's like light flurries, maybe a, uh, a dusting accumulation. Sometimes maybe you get like an inch or two of like relatively uh, powdery, somewhat wet snow. Uh, but yeah, this it, one was different. Yeah, Normally it, it'll snow for maybe an afternoon or maybe overnight. And it rarely does it ever like stick. You know, you, you might find it on surfaces like cars parked outdoors or on top of trash can lids. Uh, but rarely does it ever blanket much of anything. But this was a completely different story. Yeah, we managed to get the most pleasant thing we got was about six 
inches of very fine, powdery, skiable snow. Like the the quality of the snow was actually pretty great. Uh, yeah, it was I, everything I, that preceded and proceeded that that was not so great. Yeah, the, the six inches of snow was actually kind of a delightful thing because I've never experienced snow that was like that powdery. Where if you try to make a snowball and throw it, it just kind of disintegrates in the air. Yeah, it was it was like heroic pow, as they say in the in the community. Uh, but it, <laughs> heroic pow, okay, heroic pow, some real Cadillac pow. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, before that, it was preceded uh, with my least favorite kind of wintry accumulation, which is glaze ice and freezing rain, or freezing rain that uh, turns into glaze ice. So basically. For about a day on like Thursday or Friday, uh, Texas was covered in a thin quarter inch sheet of ice that was invisible. Yes, uh, th- this was ice that froze on contact with things like branches and power lines, anything in the air uh, that would accumulate on the ground and, and grow to, to cover the ground as well. Um, but Thursday was really insane because trees and branches started falling to the ground and it felt like the world was ending. Yeah. Because the, uh, so ice, obviously water is heavy. Uh, and also apparently most breeds of trees in Texas, when they freeze and their cell walls break and they get like a couple hundred pounds of ice accumulation, they're not really meant to deal with it, especially if they're the kinds of trees that have leaves during this time of year. Uh, because then with the increased surface area, they hold more ice. So if you saw, for the most part, the things that snapped had leaves on them. Right. But, like, power lines were getting damaged but, constantly by trees. Like, whenever you went to go get something, you, like, had to watch out and not walk under trees. And you just, like, hear them cracking and swaying. We actually had a huge tree up here that was on, like, the a corner in front of a, a pharmacy store. The entire tree fell, just keeled over, whole hog. <laughs> and this was on the Thursday and Friday before the forecasted, like, huge weather system was actually going to come in. And and so, like, it was like, okay, well, this is bad, but it can't get worse, right? That is absolutely where I follied is in the first two days when we got the ice and the trees. Like, trees knocked down power lines. We lost power for like maybe a, an hour or two at some point. And I was thinking, well, obviously, like people are talking about this like Arctic blast, but it can't be that bad. Uh, so I didn't stock up or anything. I did a pretty piss poor job of preparing for it. And then when it actually happened, uh, and not to say that the, the wintry accumulation was actually to blame for people losing power or really for most of the negative outcomes uh, and we'll yeah, get that, into that. But like, yeah. I did not prepare. I did not think that I would be without power for a week. Like, I didn't think I'd have to evacuate the city. Right, and you know, I, I was I very lazadaxily. That's not the word. I was lazadaxical with my my preparations at first. Like from Thursday to Friday, I was like, all right, this is going to melt. It's going to be fine. And then the forecast kept coming out. It's like, it's not going to be above freezing for at least a week. And I, 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 I real big shout out to the, uh, the, the, the Austin subreddit 
because they took it very seriously. And they're like, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to prepare. And so I ended up doing crazy things like winterizing my pipes and wrapping all the outdoor faucets and just making it like we closed all the blinds on like Saturday, even though like it wasn't going to snow until Sunday night just to start accumulating heat in the house. <laughs> all these crazy things. And while I was doing it, like I was out wrapping pipes with my wife, um, you know, as you do. And mm-hmm. I was looking around like none of my neighbors were doing anything. No one else was preparing to this level. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I, okay, I must be overreacting to this. But even, you know, first time homeowner, even if I'm overreacting, at least it'll be fine. Like, I, at least I'm, I'm protecting the investment I made. Um, and then it all went down and I felt really validated for having done all that. So this is, I, I think for a lot of people with certain forms of anxiety, the last week is actually pretty damaging for us because what it did was for the most part it proved that you can't be too crazy because <laughs> what if you're right? Like this is this was one of the few circumstances where pretty much every time I was concerned about something, I was proven absolutely right. Um, and, and we like dripped and left the cab the cabinets open where we could. Um, but we didn't do much to winterize because, like, it's a rental and who cares. Uh, but anyone who, like, took the time to actually prepare for the storm was so much better off than everyone else who didn't. And for the most part, like you said, it really wasn't the weather that caused a lot of the problems. Like, yes, the weather was bad. It snowed and it continued to ice after the snow, like, Two days after the, the, the that six-inch snowfall, uh, all of the snow had turned into hard, compact ice uh, that crunched. As, that like the it was like biting into a a rice crispy treat. I don't know something very like carrots. It was every step was biting into six carrots at a time. Every every step was carrots. I feel like this gets lost with uh, with some people talking about it. Is the combination of the snow plus the ice turned into a new weather system uh, that I don't know the answer to? That was particularly dangerous for anyone trying to drive around the city. Oh yeah, in- in- insane. Um, and just the way that the ice and the snow would encase things just completely, like branches of trees would be entirely enveloped in ice. And I remember walking around and looking at that and just thinking, they don't warn you about this in the Winter Wonderland songs they sing at Christmas. They don't warn you that trees are going to bend over with the weight of all this ice and, and like break and snap. And it, like it, it's anything but peaceful and calm and joyful. And I feel like that's a real big disservice for people like me who grew up in the South their entire lives and never saw snow until, you know, the the climate change began to happen. I mean, I think maybe we could, like, create a new Winter Wonderland song with, like, wintry accumulation <clears throat> in the extreme, in the south, particularly in Texas, in mind. Uh, because I feel like it would be nice to have a song to prepare us for uh, a governmental body, a state governmental body, that I had never heard of before, deciding that I don't deserve to have power for a week. Right, right. It, I, there definitely needs to be a song in Texas. Uh, it could be holiday-themed for sure, 
that explains exactly why just the state of Texas is, is, a, is on its own electrical grid and cannot receive help from either of the other two electrical grids in the nation. It was... So I knew, and to this day, I, I will profess a certain amount of ignorance about Texas's relationship to the nationwide power grid, which is largely under like two providers, though I, I don't know. I have an analogy we can talk about. Uh, but I had no idea Texas was this way until this happened. And then it showed me everything that is wrong with doing things this way because i i don't know if, if we talked about this but our neighborhood was the first neighborhood to lose power in the rotating blackouts that they had planned to do because right. we lost it at 2 a.m on monday morning and then we did not get power back until until well into friday right so, so for for those who are uninformed uh because everyone was running their heaters and using a lot of electricity, everybody was inside. It created a huge demand on the electrical grid for the state of Texas. And to, to curb that demand a little, the initial plan from ERCOT, which is the governing body of, of energy grid maintenance and, and uh, control. It's like energy reliability for the citizens of Texas or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, th- their initial plan was to do rotating blackouts, blacking out uh, different neighborhoods in different cities on a rotating basis to just sort of curb that demand for the entire state. Um, what happened, though, was as soon as they turned off the first neighborhoods, there was such a difference between the grids they that they had turned off and the demand on the grid that was still there, that they could not risk turning that grid back on without creating, just basically bringing the entire grid down. And and so they, they turned off that first neighborhood to rotate, noticed that, sat on that information for three days. Yep. (laughs) And meanwhile, everyone was starting to, people noticed on the first day their power wasn't coming back it's still sub-freezing temperatures outside and now suddenly what what should have been like a couple of hours without heat heat is now an uncertain amount of time without heat and as that uncertain time without heat goes on things are going to get worse and worse yeah, I mean, just speaking for myself, and by the way, shout out to uh, ERCOT and for the city of Austin and uh, <clears throat> also the state of Texas for putting on a series of press conferences uh, filled not only with intentional vagaries and misinformation, but sometimes just lies, uh, sometimes just like provable, demonstrably false lies, uh, even at the time. Really awesome. Really, really makes me uh, love what's going on in Texas. But for us, uh, we... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, this wasn't like a, they discovered it and then released it when they discovered it. They knew the problem on the first day, and they did not want to spread panic with letting people know that we cannot turn the power back on until our capacity, you know, the amount of energy we can produce in a day rises. And, and so they sat on the information for more than half of the time people had no power. 
It was in because for us, like, and I can tie the two things together. For us, like, we lost power on Monday, and it was off at like two a.m. And that wasn't when the snow had fallen. I like woke up and made some tea, and we had some homemade bread that we made. It was like you know, little house on the prairie or whatever, and it was cute. Um, and that day wore on, and we kept not getting power, and there was no word from Austin Energy or ERCOT until about. Halfway through the day, people who I know who were in the know, who were not part of ERCOT or Austin Energy, were telling everyone, like, hey, if you don't have power right now, you're probably not going to have it for the rest of today, at least, at, or right. maybe into tomorrow. And right. I was like, well, that's a bummer, but, you know... We can hunker down. We can make it work. And the whole time, like, the reason why people die in the cold is when you're in the cold, you're just losing heat. Like, heat has to be generated from somewhere, usually energy from the food you consume. But as that day wore on, the the novelty wore off. And, like, <laughs> the, the fun novelty of reading, like, Lord of the Rings aloud to each other under, like, candlelight. Very cute. Uh, was quickly dashed by having to sleep with a water bottle full of boiling water uh, because we didn't want to freeze at night. And then we woke up to a house that was pretty much sub-freezing and had to evacuate. But the only reason we made the decision to evacuate when we did was because the people that I know who are in the know said, hey, you're not going to get your power back anywhere from two days from now until next Tuesday. Uh, and at that point, I was made aware of this information, but anyone else who was listening to Austin Energy, uh, the state of Texas, or ERCOT had heard nothing about an right. estimated time period for their power coming back on. Right. For for everyone else, like including myself, who is not we, – we our power company is not Austin Energy. Um, so – but, I mean, we're really close to the city of Austin, so I was just checking anyway. Everyone else woke up on that Tuesday to like a tweet – from Austin Energy saying, if you don't have power now on Tuesday morning, you will likely not have power through today. And yes. that, like, and a kind of an identical message of the, the, the message they sent out on Monday afternoon. And so for people who, who weren't you, uh, who, who didn't have that inside information, they probably thought, okay, we did yesterday, we can do today too. But hopefully it'll come back tomorrow and this will all be over. Like it was just that that mindset that you had where it's like this is just temporary. I can I, we can hunker down and, and, and uh, you know, make it through this like it was just extended by a day. Yeah, like you, it's it's the whole like you could do anything for 10 minutes mentality mm-hmm. like by them. Absolutely. To keep you from panicking. They were actually having people kind of dig their own graves and volunteer for a more and more dangerous situation because the longer people waited, the more dangerous roads became. Because when I evacuated, and we haven't gotten to this part of the story, but when I left the city, I went to your house. Mm -hmm. And the drive up there, which uh, I think charitably on on a pretty regular day takes about 13 minutes, took an hour and 25 minutes. Right. Uh, the roads were pure ice. Uh, cars were like skidding around and like being unable to like leave. 
uh, parking lots and we saw cars like spin out and stall and stop in the middle of like intersections and all the traffic lights were down. It was bad. Oh and yeah. For a day or two after that, it only got worse. And at no point during that period of time did ERCOT or Austin Energy say like, hey, your power's not coming back. Make plans. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you guys got out of there. But for everyone who would hunker down through Tuesday, they woke up on Wednesday to a message near identical to the first two that said, if you do not have power right now, you will not have power through Wednesday. And that's it. Like no more details. Yeah. And it was like you that. You just got a message that said you won't have power today. And that was yeah. it. That was it. It's like each day you woke up and it's kind of like you, you rolled the die and the die didn't come up correctly. And it said, you know, you're not going to have power again today. Like I, I kind of get why they didn't tell people to have a plan because uh, the majority of people who are who are on the Austin subreddits asking like, do I need to leave my house? People would answer you're way safer staying in shelter than freezing on the side of the road. Cause if a bunch of people are on the road during all that ice, it would have been dangerous. But at the same yeah. time, you gotta, if something's going to go three plus days, I feel like you gotta tell people. Cause like, what if people didn't have food and they're, they're like, and that happened to people. People didn't grocery shop before this. They didn't panic shop, you know, clear out all the, the aisles at HEB. And so people were like, yeah, I haven't had food since Tuesday. And I'm just kind of like eating condiments to get by. You, you should, there should have been more communication for sure. Yeah, there, there should have been communication. There should have been something in place to take care of people. Because people get caught without food, yes. But people also get caught with, like, toddlers and babies who, I don't know if you know this about babies, famously bad at keeping warm. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, they're like, so tiny. Tr- tremendously bad at keeping warm. Like, they need a lot of food. You can't, like, put them in a sleeping bag. Uh, people with pets. Like, I I don't think we oh, would yeah. have evacuated if it wasn't for the fact that our cat was shivering, which is right, right. very sad. And, uh, and, like, they're covered in fur. Like, if they're shivering, yeah, it, 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 they're it's shivering, bad. Let them inside. But... People also get caught with powered oxygen. People get caught without insulin. Like you have, it's, it should go without saying that people need a reasonable expectation of having electricity to live in the age that we live in right now. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't lead people on about their ability to get access to something that for a lot of people, their lives depend on it. And, And absolutely. Like, um, like you mentioned, like this is the the day and age we live in where we rely so heavily on electricity to the point where cell service started failing in the city of Austin because a lot of the cell towers in Austin, I, I read up on this, uh, they need a constant source of electricity that they do have a localized battery backup at the top of each of those towers. Um, but only AT&T who has like first right on, on the towers around here really like puts the money in to maintain them on everyone else. Like T-Mobile who has a lot of towers around here, they do kind of a, a, an efficient battery backup that should last about a day. 
So on the second day, people's phones started to fail. Yeah, people couldn't even get in, like, obviously they didn't have access to the internet, and now they don't have access to, like, cell, cell service. I mean, so, so, there was a period of, like, an hour and a half where I was just sitting in my car, desperately trying to get warm, charging my phone in case something happened and I needed to make a call or send a text. Right, right. Like, absolutely. Like, for, for a portion of the population of Austin, which just hit, like, one million, so let's use that, let's say, you know... 90% of Austin did not have power. A portion of those people have T-Mobile or a service like Mint Mobile or Google Fi that uses the T-Mobile towers. Their phones start failing. The majority of Austin is, is without power, without water because their pipes are starting to freeze without central heating, without phones, so they can't get any new information and all ERCOT and all the Austin Energy is doing is every morning they tweet out, if you don't have power, you're likely not to have power through the day. And talking in a press conference in the afternoon every day saying, we don't have a timeline to establish power. And that's it. Which is such, I mean, that in itself is a lie. Because like I said, grateful and lucky to know the people I know that knew things about the situation, but I was typically kept abreast of it like way better than anyone who was just listening to them. And it seemed like they had a pretty good idea of when and when people would not get power. Oh, we, we, we had friends uh, who, who didn't have, who were in the exact situation I just described, who we would text periodically, not expecting responses because, of course, they they turn their phones off to conserve their batteries. But we would text them the updates and let them know that, like, this is what's being said, and uh, this, you know, this is the situation because they had no other out, they had no other lifeline to that information. Like the city of Austin uh, and ERCOT, they used all of these electronic means to get the message out to people who didn't have electricity. They they even made a, they even made a tweet at some point where they were like, people have criticized us for sending out tweets for updates. We have begun calling people. Yeah. But their phone service is gone. Right. Right. And the really annoying part is that the city of Austin, all of their press conferences during this time, uh, like they they would announce a press conference, and then at the like the last line of that announcement was due to technical difficulties, the press conference will be hosted on Facebook Live. <laughs> Incredible, meaning you had to have a Facebook account to get this information. Incredible. They, they what? Yeah, just. Just incredible boomer logic to host anything and everything on Facebook Live as if that's a reasonable alternative for everyone. Yeah. I mean, so that's what was going on. And uh, you guys had toughed it out on Monday. And Monday night, Jamie and I, we, we sent out uh, an invitation for you guys to, to pack up your whatever you could and, and come stay with us in our house. Like, we still had power. We still had everything. Um, and, and you guys, you know, with the information you had, where it's like, we might get power back on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I get why you, you made the decision to stay. 
but it was really hard talking Jamie through that logic. She's like, I don't get it. Why are they not coming? Like, <laughs> it's like they could just be warm and safe and happy. I'm like, but if they're just going to get power back tomorrow, you know, then it's fine. But when you got the information that it was going to be a while, you took us up on the offer of come and stay with us. And and we very much thank you for doing that. Yeah. And I, I understand now that it's, it, it gave you guys a lot of peace of mind to know that we were safe. But for me, it was when the earliest information and the most dire information was, you'll have it back maybe around the middle of Tuesday. And then when I got the text that morning that was like, you're not going to have it today and you might not have it. For about a week, if you need to leave, leave now. I was like, well, it's starting to sound pretty nice, the offer, actually. Right, right. And uh, so you guys stayed with us from Tuesday in the middle of the day to about, like, noon on Friday. About noon on Friday. Yeah. And, you know, what horrible guest you were and terrible. And I regret every moment of it. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. if If we're opening up the floor to notes as hosts... Um, you know, I'm just going to leave it as, as hosts. We can talk about how you two are as people later, um, <laughs> but just appalling is, is a word that I would use. Um, horrifyingly, uh, rude, uh, gaseous, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what inflammatory. Oh no. It was the worst stay of my life. Okay. Um, but no, you guys were incredible hosts. Uh, I'm very grateful and lucky to have you in mind. You- we are, all three of us, very lucky that you guys were around. Because, like, I don't think we would have frozen to death. But when I got out of bed in the morning, my foot had been outside of the covers. And my foot really hurt. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> in the cold all night. Because our, our house had just dipped, about dipped below freezing. So right. it probably wouldn't have been great. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, you guys were you guys were great guests. I, I actually have no complaints. Um, it, it's just insane that we went through all of that in the span of like just a couple of days. The entire world changed. It, and, it really felt like three <laughs> weeks. Yeah, it felt like a month. It felt like a full month. Because, like, you know, the days would tick by so slowly because it's like there's nothing to do. We finally, on Tuesday, we finally got the message that, hey, if you have power, you need to conserve it so other people can have power, too. Like, let's lessen the demand, the load on the grid so as we bring more people back onto the grid, like, they can sustain it. Um, Because none of that came through on Monday. So, like... We were we were we were blasting the heat and we were watching TV and you were running all of your vacuums, every vacuum, every hair dryer, uh, just all of the things. And then like on Tuesday, we're like, hey, if you if you've got power, great, you know, good. Uh, but if you could use less of it, and here are some tips you can do to use less. And it's like, oh shit, fuck! <laughs> like we should be, <laughs> we're lucky enough to have power. It's like it's neg, you know, it's five degrees outside. It, we don't need it at seventy inside. So like, we 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 lowered our thermometer. We 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 uh, made the decision to stay in like one room and use electricity in one room at a time, basically. Uh, but, 
But it's like none of that came out until later either. Like it was just like so much information could have been could have been communicated quicker. And maybe that would have saved people because like you guys lost power first. But then over time, like 90% of Austin lost power. And then most of the state didn't have power. Mm-hmm. And the only reason my house still had power is because luckily we're on the same electrical grid as both a fire station and a water processing plant. And that's the only reason we didn't lose water power the entire time. Yeah. You guys, uh, as far as like uh, locations for house for this particular issue, perfect. But everyone was was left in the dark. But thankfully, um, anyone who was left in the dark could have you know left their house to go read or do anything else that required light at any number of empty condos, apartment buildings, football <laughs> stadium, um, the Did Frost the... Bank building. Infuriating. Um, Infuriating. Any, any building in downtown. If you needed any light or maybe heat from just the number of fluorescent and incandescent lights that were burning in the hundreds in any of these huge corporate structures. You Really, we were all pretty lucky to have these giant energy-burning <laughs> monoliths all over the city. The state of Texas, the entire state, the governor declared a, a disaster, you know, not even an emergency, declared a disaster for the entire state of Texas, and downtown Austin was fully lit up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can't, listen, you can't get rid of the tourism. <laughs> With, with, I mean, it makes, listen, I'm just saying it makes sense. If, if you want to cut power, do it from the poorest and most populous areas. Those people live there already. They're not going to be tourists in their own neighborhoods. Light up 6th Street, no matter what. Light up the football stadium that I don't think has anything going on in it right now. <laughs> right, right. It's not even football season. Like, it, I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. And the soccer stadium too, right? That's built. Is that built? It's being built. It's in the process of being finalized. I don't think it's finalized yet. Okay. Uh, but yeah, just just light up everything just in case like a, a random rogue tourist should come through and wants to spend $20 uh, just direct all your direct all your energy there. Yeah, I mean the priorities of like, and they claimed all of the all of the, the the officials like in the press conference claimed like we have cut power to all non critical grids, and then downtown Austin is completely lit up, and it's like nobody is going to those office buildings. No, no one is is in there. Why are they fully lit up and heated? Even before the uh, the wintry accumulation, people weren't going there because of COVID. Like I can guarantee you, my my large company, our office buildings are lit up like the sun year round, even though no one's there right now. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 for a storefront, I get you need uh, light for the security cameras, but for some of these office buildings where everything is on like a server anyway. And probably behind a billion locked doors and, and like other security measurements. Like, yeah, why are, why are these offices lit and, and powered and, and heated and with running water and all this other stuff? It makes no sense. Yeah, 12 to 14 floors of condos lit, rows of townhomes and new developments lit. Uh, but people who actually live places, no water, no power. 
really, really and, nothing. I did yeah. appreciate the uh, the slight concessions that our elected officials made over time of, uh, for instance, in solidarity, turning off the showcase lights uh, <laughs> on yeah, other um, pieces of art and then wearing a sweater and trying yeah. to dim the lights in the room to make it look like they didn't have power. Uh, so the, the the mayor of Austin, Mayor Adler, I have no idea what his first name is. Um, Steve. But Steve? Steve Adler. It, it He made appearances in every press conference, but the first press conference, he was in short sleeves uh, in probably his predetermined, you know, press conference spot in front of a, a picture and a golden pic, a painting in a golden frame with an accent light on the frame. And so he's in short sleeves with that accent light on. The next appearance, he's got a long sleeve shirt on and the accent line is off. The third appearance, he's got a sweater on. <laughs> and I, want, I almost wanted them to like take the painting down, but they didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> just just take the painting down. Um, and just so they, you... Sorry. They dust him with fake snow. Yeah. Just so you guys know, this is the guy who who traveled to Cabo for his daughter's wedding and gave a, a recorded message to the city of Austin telling people not to travel. So, like, he already has a bit of an optics problem, and no one on his team was like, maybe you shouldn't wear short sleeves, and maybe we should turn all the power. Like, his optics people are – they got to be the worst in the business. Yeah. Uh, really, Adler – just truly killing it. You know, I will defend his trip to Cabo there. From my understanding, it was a small gathering of 1,500 people. 13 of them had been tested uh, six months ago. Um, they all been really careful wearing masks, you know, coughing into their elbows, um, you know, yeah. wearing, wearing condoms, all that, all that cool stuff. So, yeah. you know, they were as safe as they could be. Safe as possible. Oh, man. And, and like... <laughs> As much as I, I I dog on Adler for his optics problem, he kind of did the best of all of the Texas leadership that came out of the woodwork during this whole this whole debacle. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend uh, so much time beating up on Adler for just kind of being an income poop when you had uh, people like uh, Greg Abbott actually like telling uh, horrible. Uh, baseless, politically motivated <laughs> lies to the contis- the constituency, which is the people of Texas. I-, I want everyone listening to imagine you are you're experiencing a natural disaster. You don't have power. You you might not have water. Like you are suffering, and then the news breaks that the leader of your state or the leader of your area goes on national news and blames renewable energy for the current energy crisis in your state yes the most important thing when your people are suffering starving and dying is you've still got to get in a dig at aoc and the green new deal yeah yeah Uh, a dig at aoc and the green new deal which has not passed has no policy (laughs) enforced it's insane it's (laughs) Clinically insane for him to say for him to cast dispersion cast dispersions on the Green New Deal, a thing that exists in writing. But like Texas has invested in renewables, and as a matter of fact, renewables did not account for the massive decrease in our total like kilowatt capacity to provide power to people. 
those natural gas plants shutting down. Yeah. I'm sure some wind turbines froze and the optics on that isn't great. But to get on TV and blame legislation that has not passed yeah. and renewable energy sources that are not responsible and to blame them solely is evil. It, absolutely. And to like, I, I've got facts to back up some of the things that he said. Like, he, he was like, he's blaming. The windmills specifically saying that they were the cause of the the energy shortage in Texas as it was happening was insane because renewable wind energy in Texas makes up about 7% of our capacity load. Mm -hmm. 80 to 90% of our capacity load comes from coal and natural gas plants. And it was natural gas equipment that had not been properly winterized because they skip – on this process every year to save a little bit of money. Those natural gas equipment, well, I, I don't know the specifics there, they were freezing. They were freezing up. The gas was literally freezing in the pipes and not being able to c- produce the energy we needed. Now, I will admit, the windmills also froze over, but it was l- also because they skimped on winterizing the windmills and i will point out that fucking antarctica the labs there have windmills that do not freeze over so it's not just cold temperatures you have to you have to protect the equipment from cold temperatures to ensure it'll run i mean it's like if your house burned down you're like god I can't believe my kitchen burned down. Like it's it's a problem that is true of all Texas infrastructures that's not built for this. But to beat up on renewables just for a political I don't know. I I do struggle not to call Greg Abbott evil, uh, but I do think he is politically motivated in a malevolent way. Oh yeah, yeah. The, I, I mean, so many claims came out in the wake of this, where people were pointing to uh, certain politicians and how much money they were they received from certain lobbyists and all that. Their campaigns, not not the people themselves. Um, and, and you know, I don't want to get into that sort of minutia. Uh, uh, you know, because whatever it, it's politics, everyone's paid by everyone. It, it money is flowing all over the place. But to go on national news and blame fucking renewable energy for what is at its core just a failure to prepare on across the board, like renewables and non renewables lumped together, nobody prepared, nobody winterized to do that. It's just fucking evil. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I do struggle to think of a similar state going through something like this and having, it seems to be almost universally people who are uh, elected on Republican tickets, uh, but people so badly mishandle, disrespect, and endanger their own citizens. Like, I find it hard to imagine that if this happened to, like, I don't know, if Minnesota was on fire or something, I, I can't imagine we'd have like whoever Minnesota's senator is like abandoning it to go to, I don't know, someplace that the, the analogy yeah. is not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there is sort of a real world example and that that would be Hurricane Sandy hitting the city of, of New York. 
Um, you know, because New York City is not prepared for hurricanes at all. They, and they, you know, rightly so. Historically, hurricanes have not gone that far up the East Coast. Just like historically, Texas has not received this type of Arctic blast in the past. Mm. Um, and so, like, I, I'm sure those two events can be compared. But but absolutely, like, I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but. No senator should hop on a fucking plane to Cancun during their state's emergency. I mean, I don't know. I I moved here from a state where everything was really bad, but I don't think that I felt this openly disrespected by a number of elected officials, uh, which is not to say that certain elected officials didn't do a ton of good for Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like on the micro level, people like Greg Kazar did a ton of good work for Austin. AOC raised a ton of money for Texas. Huge, huge shout out to AOC, a New York congresswoman traveling all this way to work at food banks in Houston while raising four million plus dollars for relief efforts. Like shout out to her and shout out to Beto O'Rourke who phone banked, I I don't know the real term, but made uh, him and his team that he organized made over, I don't, I'm going to pull the number that I last saw, uh, but it it was like over a hundred thousand wellness checks to elderly citizens of Texas. Like shout out to the people who absolutely, when the chips were down, pulled through and did at least something yeah, like how did how did we end up in a time where the two most like visible and arguably powerful Texas politicians, Ted Cruz and Greg Abbott, seem to have the most like genuine disdain for the state that they serve? Oh, disdain oh. or disinterest? I, I, the crazy thing is, is the ones that flew under the radar, like the Attorney General for Texas. He came back today. He left the state for a full week. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know his name. I saw the headline briefly. Um, I, I also want to. This this really irritated me. ERCOT, which is the energy whatever for citizens of Texas, is uniquely Texan. Five of its board members do not live in Texas. One lives in Germany. One lives in Wisconsin, and they they seem to be the ones that people pointed out as like the head of ERCOT, the heads of ERCOT. How do you how do you run the energy grid of a state you don't live in? Yeah, how do you understand the needs of Texans and their infrastructure when you live in Wisconsin? Like if you're not going through the same thing as your the people you you are supposed to be supporting or representing how are you doing that? I don't understand. It's it's just truly unbelievable stuff. And it's not like they report to a, like a larger governing body. It's not like electing Congress people and they have to spend a lot of time in Washington, D.C. All of their stuff happens here in Texas. I feel like it's, it's almost too late to go over this. But we talk a lot about ERCOT and us not being connected. But just real quick, the reason for all of this in my estimation is that Texas chose to not – be part of the like 
two large energy consortiums that supply power to most of the United States. They chose to do their own little thing and keep the production and the the administration of electricity uh, like as a as a capitalist private enterprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in Texas you have like multiple kind of schemes or paradigms for how you can buy power. Some places like sell power in bulk, like companies like Gridley, uh, which is companies like that are now charging people like $16,000 for the last month of energy usage because it's priced based on demand. Yeah. Uh, And the whole reason why Texas was so fucked in this situation to begin with is we decided that since we wanted to privatize the the production administration of our power that it should be priced by demand however the problem is when you have one entity that allows something to be priced arbitrarily not even by demand saying something's priced by demand i think it's fallacious uh priced essentially arbitrarily to what they think you would pay for it or could pay for it rather right and I think that for everyone living in Texas, I don't know that there's actually a better argument for Medicare for all than what happened with our electricity. Oh, yeah. Like, if if you look at every other state, when a bunch of people pool their money together, they can't be fucked with. Yeah. Like, you, you get better prices for things when there is a universal buyer. When there's a universal buyer, you can't get risk-free arbitrage off people's backs. You can't charge them $16,000 for a power bill because if everyone pools together and they are the buyer, they can annihilate you by choosing not to buy what you're selling if you charge an exorbitant fee. It's the, the, you know, the absolute power of collective bargaining. It's, you know... uh, unionizing but for things everybody needs anyway i mean medicare for all and universal health care and unionization and in and being a part of an energy collective it's all part of the same thing we have different names for them and politicians will demonize them separately but it's just the objective truth that if everybody who wants something gets together, they'll do a lot better of a job getting it than they would alone. <laughs> like, I don't know, you couldn't take a caveman and be like, hey, listen, you can hunt this saber-toothed tiger yourself, and you're going to get fucking destroyed. Or you could take like a hundred cavemen with you. Which would you prefer? Yeah, uh, uh... The privatization of basic and essential needs for all humankind is just it. There's never been a scenario where it has benefited people, in my estimation. We we don't. I don't think that we have an example of it working in the long run in a way that could be characterized as an objective good because typically the privatization of a commodity results in some communities being underserved at best and effectively killed at worst yeah yeah 
Ugh. Plus, Ted Cruz made that tweet like two years ago where he's like, Texans would gladly go without power for two days if it meant they didn't have the government in their business. Let me tell you, as a Texan, <laughs> g- give me the government in my business. I, yeah. If the government can keep me from having to evacuate the city that I very much love uh, because my <laughs> stupid poison-eating cat is shivering, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do need to go back to that eventually. We we can't leave the audience hanging. We did we did we, tease it. We primed it for sure. I, I just after going through this nightmare of a week, and I didn't even like go through it for real, but experiencing it tangentially through you and through people's accounts online. It just seems like this, and of course this like this needs to be a wake up call. But the the sad thing is, Texas froze 10 years ago, and everyone said around that time, this needs to be a wake-up call. And it turns out that Texas at that time froze before that. And everyone at that time said this needs to be a wake-up call. There are no wake-up calls. It it just keeps happening. History repeats itself. I I think that there are rarely wake-up calls in history. I think that it actually ends up being a much more like gradual process. I hope, I think 10 years ago, we were not where we are now uh, as, as a state, which I didn't live in at the time or as a people. I don't know. I, I feel like, and I can hope that the window is shifting and we can start to demand the things we need from our elected officials. Yeah. One hopes. One can hope. Um, I, I mean, if anything good came out of this, it was the uh, the revelation that Ted Cruz is, will not be running for re-election after the end of his next term and however, like six years or however long it is. Um, but that's just like a drop in the bucket compared to what we went through. Yeah, and maybe he'll run for president. That's probably, you know, yeah, whatever. So on the last day you guys were here, and yes. this is preferenced a little bit more of a personal thing. Your cat, Bean, is uh-huh. a, she's a delight. You guys hate her. I don't know why. We don't hate her. We just know how <laughs> she is. Um, I think Allison said it best when she said, at our house, Bean's a four, but at your house, Bean's a ten. We love Bean. Bean will not let us touch her, and that's fine. Um, it just hurts on the inside. But... She, so we moved all our outdoor plants inside, and we, we've got this this potted uh, assortment of plants, including some daylilies. Yes. And daylilies, it turns out, John informed us, are highly toxic to, to cats. Yes, I, I learned that the first night we stayed there because I started sniffing around some plants. And I just know from having cats that, like, you should Google what plants they're sniffing around uh, because – Plants, turns out, are mostly bad for cats. Yeah, and... It's amazing they're alive as a species right now with the number of plants that kill them almost instantly. With hindsight being 2020, the first time Bean went over to that those plants, we should have like just moved them out and or, or covered them with something. But with everything going on and like emotions at like a... Uh, a silent fever pitch. The idea just never came to our mind. We just kind of herded her away from the plants time and time again. Mm-hmm. 
But on the last day you guys were here, Bean got into those plants pretty hard. There was some... There was somehow like a gap in the watch because, you know, we were sitting around like watching TV, but I would get up maybe every five minutes just to see because she was wandering around. And, you know, at some point in one of those five minute intervals, she got to the daylilies, dug them up. Sorry about all the plants she dug up in that very short amount of time. And also ate a bunch of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the real problem. Because um, eating plants are worse for cats than just kind of brushing up against them. Yeah. Uh, So for for daylilies, I I think everything I read was like, hey, if they eat these, they could have like kidney failure within hours. Um, And there's actually a part of the story that I had not told you. Uh, But essentially, I saw we ate all the plants. We had to call the ASPCA poison control, which, by the way, what a fucking racket. Yeah. You have to stay on hold with them forever. They charge you $75 before they tell you anything. And literally all they said was, yeah, those plants are poisonous. You should take her to an emergency vet. Frustrating because that took literally, I said literally, but felt like 40 minutes. Yeah, it it took about 45 minutes to actually get a straight answer out of them. And then I managed to find an emergency vet that was open. And we took her over there. And... Uh, apparently what they do is they just like put your cat on, I don't know that I told you the the specifics of it, but basically what they do is they give your cat a medicine that makes it so it can't digest food. And they, uh, maybe I did tell you this. No, I don't Um, think you did. But they give it a medicine so it doesn't digest food and some activated charcoal. And then they put it on, on an IV. So since it can't digest food, it's still getting nutrients. Good, uh, And then they, they keep it on the don't digest food stuff for like 12 to 18 hours. And they keep it on IV for 48 hours. And the idea is that it would just pass the plant, not actually digest it at all. And then in case anything got through, it would be on, uh, it would be on IV. So in case it's like kidneys did have a problem with like shedding or retaining water. I don't know about all of it. Uh, but yeah, she went through that. Fine. Her blood tests were great, 100% every time. Uh, There are multiple notes in her chart talking about how she was too grumpy to get vitals from. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, her chart's really funny because Bean's a particular cat. You've met her. And it's like, mood. Uh, The first one was mood, cautious. It's like reading like a Resident Evil diary. (laughs) It's like, first one was temperament, cautious, and then temperament, hissing temperament yowling temperament (laughs) fractious aggressive um and one of the entries was like too oh uh too grumpy to get vitals will not cooperate with medicine (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, amazing yeah so bean is nasty um but then we got her and her blood tests were always fine and then the poison control people apparently advised the vet like hey get her blood test done uh, 48 hours after she gets off fluids just to make sure she's good uh, not to keep anyone in the podcast listening audience in suspense we took her today blood tests are fine beans in the clear totally healthy however there is an addendum to this story that I found out today uh oh uh, it's not a bad one uh oh so daylilies right daylilies 
daylilies are a tr- part of a true lily family. It's like a scientific genus. Anything in the true lily family, from daylilies, calla lilies, a bunch of different lilies, horribly toxic to cats. Right. However, I did find out that in the United States, sometimes people will be sold something called a daylily because it looks identical to a daylily, but it's actually part of a different flower family called false lilies. Oh, no, not true lilies. Not true lilies. And false lilies are completely benign to cats. Oh, my Uh, God. they, They have no effect on them whatsoever. So... Today I realized that oh. either by acting quickly, uh, I yeah. saved—I literally saved Bean's life from them administering a drug that kept her from digesting a, a flower that could cause kidney failure within a matter of hours, or I totally wasted $1,400 and there's literally no way that I could ever know which one is the case. I wish that there was some thought experiment in which the fate of a cat was unknown and there's (laughs) no way to know, but I don't believe believe one of those exists. Let me clear this up for you, John. Uh, Because when you guys left with Bean, I asked Jamie, is there any chance that those were not daylilies and that maybe that, you know, they're being safe, but they don't need to worry Jamie told me 100% they were daylilies. Okay. You saved that cat's life. Great. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. What a terrible investment she's been. What? (laughs) She only only costs 25 bucks. (laughs) Well, at first, they don't tell you about the uh, the follow-up costs of clothes and emergency vet visits. Yeah. Well, I'm glad Bean is doing all right. And I'm glad we've come full circle to the beginning of our podcast, uh, where we alluded, what a weird hook for the episode. Find out the state of John's cat's health. Yeah, I think I think I maybe said she was doing fine. So I, I hope I hope people didn't spend the last hour on tenter hooks about the the health of my nasty cat being. We're, we're gonna get just so many comments. It's like get to the fucking cat. Uh, why are you talking about all this? It's like uh, they're gonna be like, "How's the cat? Is the cat okay?" K X O U Y K eight K mysterious link. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah, a reference to all. Our website got attacked by bots. I don't know why. <laughs> we got targeted. We got targeted. <laughs> they, knew we were, they knew we were talking the truth. Oh man. Oh, that reminds me. I have to run something by you. Uh, after we stop recording. Great. But I think for now, I want I kind of wanted to squeeze some Zydeco. Whoa. Some Zydeco? Are we finally <laughs> going to do the, the long-awaited Zydeco break? No, no. Uh, we're, we'll never get in touch with my roots on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you okay. very much. Okay. Unless I'm eating, like, fried shrimp while recording. We will not talk about... My Cajun roots. Um, <laughs> I kind of wanted to sneak some sh- some uh, Snyder cut into this episode, but I think we want to keep it tight, right? I think we want to keep it tight. 
Um, so all I'll say is the t- the trailer dropped and a really great article dropped um, and Variety or on Variety, the website. Uh, so check out that article. It's got a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was not privy. We were not privy to. So we might have made fun of some things that we shouldn't have made fun of. I don't know. I've always kind of taken Snyder very seriously because I very much like his work. Um, let's just say for now, I am excited to see the Snyder cut. That is not a joke. I want to make that disclaimer. I'm very excited to see this movie. I will say, uh, after having read the article, which by the way, if you're missing the Snyder cut coverage from us, uh, look up justice league, the shocking, exhilarating, heartbreaking, true story of hashtag the Snyder cut by Anthony Bresnikan on vanity fair. Vanity Fair, uh, that's what it's called. But after reading that article, I am actually now very genuinely excited to watch this movie. Right. Like, after learning how much Joss Whedon was involved, which the article claims is about he reshot, let's say, 75% of the movie, apparently. And now knowing what we know about Joss Whedon, uh, if you're missing out on that coverage from us, please just Google Joss Whedon. And click on the news tab. Um, but also, par- if you've ever seen anything by Joss Whedon, you, you kind of know. Yeah, you, you, you kind you 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 can read people. You kind of know. Apparently, he's just very abusive to his actors, just no matter who they are or what they're doing, which is yeah. the fucking you know that's terrible. Um, but with him being so involved in the theatrical release and the theatrical release being so terrible. I'm very excited to see Schneider's vision come to life, especially after reading that article and just knowing just that the version of the movie we got was a surrender. They just couldn't keep fighting. And now that the internet has fought for so long to get this vision out and Schneider went as far as to, to not take a paycheck He is not getting paid to do the Snyder Cut, which has eaten up a lot of his time to to redo this entire movie. Knowing all of this, I'm excited to see the final product. And that's all I'll say about that. I mean, it's, it's genuinely one of the most exciting and unprecedented things that has ever happened in movie making. And I'm saying that with total honesty. Yeah. And so it'll be real interesting when the movie is bad. But <laughs> fair point. I mean, it's something so hyped up. You know, like it's like Tenet. It's not going to save cinema for sure. But I'm still excited to experience it, even though I still haven't seen Tenet. Do you play Fortnite by any chance? No. Uh, well, you're never going to see Tenet. I'm never going to never see- let that die. That is the one thing I know about Tenet. It is the one thing I swear to God I will ever know about Tenet. Like Chris Nolan, champion of cinema, partnered with Fortnite. Chris Nolan flies up on a mountain. Hi, gamers. Hi, gamers. <laughs> Legendary director Chris Nolan here w- dropping my movie in Fortnite. Um hope you enjoy it. No no spawn camping. 
you have to watch uh, Tenet on Verizon Wireless because you'll have no no ping, virtually no ping when you're watching Tenet. Oh, what's up, gamers? What's up, gamers? What's up, gamers? Oh, it, it feels kind of cathartic talking about all the ice shit we went through, that ice storm stuff. It feels like I can finally let all of that information I've been holding in my brain go. That feels great. I mean, honestly, clean, bean, <laughs> bean getting a clean bill of health is like the the ending to this movie. It's like yeah, the it's like the ending to the Ice Storm movie. You get all your your pathos out, your so, catharsis. Yeah, you're vomiting. Yeah, your emotional vomiting catharsis. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to think of Bean as the personification of emotional vomiting. (laughs) She's a great cat, I swear. Like, when you guys aren't around and I I, I had to go watch her, uh, she she was great. She cuddled up to me. She was nice. She acts like she doesn't know me now, which was very annoying, but she was nice at the time. Yeah, she's that way, even with us, and we own her. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I think on that note, it's time to wrap up this edition of Zero Credits. Uh, And I edited the three hour plus long. Are we? Yes, I'll edit this one. You do the social media. Uh, So I'll do the social media. You do the social media segue? Sure. Uh, Da 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 da. You, uh, Twitter. Do you want to reach out to us and tweet your experience during the ice storm or a harrowing tale of a pet almost being in a danger zone? Please tweet us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And I believe I've heard a rumor that John knows what that stands for. Why didn't anyone rob Ted Cruz's house? <laughs> That's right. (laughs) You can also send us a longer diatribe on the need for speed. I don't know where I'm going with this. To email at zerocredits.net. It is currently at max capacity thanks to bots. But we'll delete those messages and your email will come right through to one of us. It'll be great. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you could leave a rating and review wherever you can, I don't know. Um, Apple Podcasts is the main one because that's what's going to help us rise the ranks to destroy the world. Uh, But the most important thing you can do is word of the mouth. So just tell a friend to listen to the podcast. Tell them to listen. Dare them to listen to the three-hour-plus-long supplemental reading for Fast and Furious Spy Racers Season 1. And if they don't do it, you get a billion dollars. So just do that, and we'll have a billion listeners. And if each one of those billion listeners gives us a one dollar, we'll all be rich. Doesn't make sense. Good. That's it, <laughs> uh, Henry. I, I know that uh, you know you did the social media, and I'll edit this out later. But could you do me a favor? What's up, my friend? 
Uh, so there's this comment on our uh, on our page. Could you moderate it, please? Oh my it's god! It's on the supplement range for Stranger Things too. We've gotten uh, it says, uh, "Will I have to work on Saturdays?" HTTP forward slash forward slash www.himalayadestination.com. Xyloprim brand name developed in part with money from Transforming Tomorrow Fellowship that you was awarded by billionaire investor Peter Thiel. The partners have also just raised more than $20,000 on the crowdfunding Indiegogo in order to launch production. And from everyone here at the zero credits, uh, 67 new messages about approving bot comment studios. Oh no. We'd like to wish you a happy week. Goodbye. Do I have to work on Saturdays, though?